Good morning. It's good to be back home. Also coming from home. <laughs> Sometimes I think that uh, home is not just a physical location, but home is where your heart is. And my heart is right here because that is where my wife is. And that's where my family is. Praise the Lord. I just returned from Uganda. Um, um, many of you, when we talk of that direction, we're talking Africa. But I want to say that I was in Uganda. Uganda is a landlocked country. Just over 200,000 square miles and uh, maybe just over 40 million people. You can compare that to Australia. I used to think that uh, being a landlocked country, it's a big disadvantage. But I also found that Australia is sea-locked. Is there such a word in English as sea-locked? <laughs> Today is... Uh, Pentecost Sunday, like uh, you already heard Herbie talk about it. And uh, our background is Pentecostalism. So I just want to talk about this day. I'm trying to open, but it's not opening. I want to talk about Pentecost Sunday. The significance of this day to all of us. And what it means for us as a church today. On this day, um, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to be precise, 40 days after he resurrected, and 10 days after he ascended into heaven. That makes 50 days. Thank you. And seven weeks. And all those days, I mean all those numbers are significant. 40 days. 40 days have to do with trials and temptation. 40 has to do with trials and temptations. 10 days. 10 is a number of perfection. Seven weeks Seven is a number of completion. On the seventh day, he completed his works and he rested. So I want you to get with me to Acts chapter 2, if you will. Acts chapter 2, I'll read from verse 1, and as I read, I also pray at the same time. I say, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your word. Father, you say that you send your word and you said it will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it, and it will not go back void. I pray, O oh God, that this day your word will find its place in our hearts, and it will bring peace, joy, 
unto all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. I read from verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and, to be, and, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The day of Pentecost. First of all, Pentecost itself was a day of celebration. It was also called the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, the lot of fast fruits. And which was basically a day when the Israelites were making offerings for the new grain for the summer wheat harvest. That was it. But of course, we now come to associate it so much with the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is a good thing. And uh, this in itself was a series or a process which God ordained from the very foundation of the world. And Jesus Christ was part of that process. And it all starts in Genesis, when man fell in the Garden of Eden. And God had a plan to restore man to his proper place. And that's how Jesus came in. Remember, I said, be holy, for I am holy. To bring us to that place where we can relate again with God. The lamb that was slain from, slain from the foundation of the world, that was all part of the process. First Peter 1, 19 and Revelation 13, 8. It is against this background that Peter writes to the church in Corinth and he said, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God through him. Second Corinthians 5.21 All because man had fallen. So Pentecost was part of the process. There are four significant things that we want to look at as they happen on the day of Pentecost. Starting from verse 1. says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. In other words, they were all in agreement. In response to what Jesus said, remember Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he said, wait for the promise of the Father to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And on that, I want to add here that sound leadership anchors on God's commandments and promises. They were told to wait, and they obeyed. Remember, there were so many things happening on that day. That was a day of celebration. Lots of things happening. I can imagine a celebration. There have been lots of celebration here in Amidel. Um, one of them is... Uh, who can remember one, one of these famous days we celebrate here in Amidel? Sorry? The Autumn Festival. What things are going on there? Everybody's merrymaking and so on. 
But the disciples were in the upper room praying because they had gotten instructions from Jesus Christ. Any instruction that comes from the word of God, people will obey. Hallelujah. By the way, you know, when in Africa, let me put it that way, in Africa, we have a tendency of prompting you to say amen. And that means you are agreeing with what I'm saying. <laughs> I rarely find it here, but, and it is for a good reason. When we agree, it happens. Isn't that so? So agree with me whenever you can. Let's continue to verse 2. The first thing is they were in agreement. I believe that in here at some point we will be in agreement. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. NIV says violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. rushing mighty wind, a violent wind. How would we stand in a situation of a violent wind, a rushing mighty wind, a storm? There was a storm recently. I remember there was, in 2014, I think I was in New York, and there was Hurricane Sandy. My wife was worried. (laughs) But I saw how that storm swept cars. Cars were literally floating like pieces of paper. You know, as, as the storm hit New York. And I'm wondering, this mighty storm, what kind of a storm was this? But they were in the upper room anyway. In Genesis 2, 7 says, and the Lord formed man of dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. What, what relationship has that got to do with the upper room when the Holy Spirit came? God made man from the dust or from the dirt and he breathed into him. Now, in the upper room, that was the body of Christ. He made man, he made a body, breathed in him. In the upper room, we are the body. Hallelujah. As we gather here, we are the body of Christ. And the making of the church required there was some breath that had to be, you know, breath into man or into the body of Christ. In John 20 from verse 21, you'll see that Jesus walked into the room after he resurrected. And he said, peace be unto you. As the Father sent me, so I also send you. And he breathed upon them and he said, receive the Holy Ghost. 
this mighty rushing violent wind i want to believe is the breath of god amen, amen. <laughs> psalm 18 verse 8 says that smoke went out of his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth and he says coals were kindled by it the breath of god is not like my breath let me try to breathe the breath of god is a mighty breath depending on the situation when god breathes nothing stands in the way When the psalmist or when David was talking about smoke went up from his nostril, he started by he was in distress and he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord came down from heaven, came breathing fire, <laughs> which kindled coals. Can you imagine that? The breath of God. So on the day of Pentecost, that mighty rushing wind, and by the way, wind is a representation of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Fire is also a representation of the Holy Ghost. As we'll see later, God breathed on the church. And I want to believe that God wants to breathe on the church right here and today, not tomorrow. I think that explains the situation. When there was a mighty storm in Mark 4, verse 37 and 39. It says, and a great windstorm arose and waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. A great storm. And remember in that storm, Jesus was sleeping on a pillow. I don't know how you get a pillow into a boat. But that's what the Bible says. He was sleeping on a pillow. And the disciples were panicking. You don't even care. We are drowning in this place. And he got up and said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And the Bible says that there was great calm. Great storm and great calm. What, what, what does that explain to you? In essence, the storm that is in him is greater than that storm that blew. He is the creator of the storm. Remember, he created everything that exists. So he has the capacity to blow a greater storm and to bring great calm. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. NIV says that they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Tongues of fire separated 
and resting on each one. Hallelujah. Each one receiving that fire. There were 120 people in the upper room that day. Twelve of them were disciples. Twelve leaders. There were 11. Another one had just been elected. Matthias, the Bible says. So, there were 12 leaders out of the 120. But the tongues of fire rested on each one of them. What does that explain? The Holy Spirit is not only for leaders. The Holy Spirit is for each one of us. To be able to do the work that God desires us to do. And sometimes we think that uh, the work of the kingdom is for leaders only. The rest of us are to receive. No, we are all called. We have all got gifts. And we all have a role to play. Moses had an encounter with this kind of fire in Exodus chapter 3. In verse 2 it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. That's the kind of fire (laughs) that would come in this place. It will rest on each one of us but will not be consumed. But where there is evil and wickedness, you'll see that fire consuming. You'll see that fire consuming evil and wickedness. As a matter of fact, Satan, or Lucifer for that matter, when he was kicked out of heaven, it was the fire that sent him Out of heaven. Now the Lord then gives Moses a mission. It says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. That was 1,500 years before the day of Pentecost. And the Lord is still echoing the same mission that he gave to Moses that time. In verse 8 of chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is the same mission. He's giving the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses, so that we can make disciples. You know, when it says from Jerusalem, 
That was where they were, starting with Jerusalem. So we could say from Amidel, starting from Amidel. And I was really convicted when we were doing the Christmas hampers. You remember? With the distribution we were doing. And I was seeing all these people and I was saying, but they need the gospel. They need the gospel. And I said this before. It is good for us to be a mission church. But our mission starts right here. We cannot be long rangers when we have people unreached all around us. We have to start from our Jerusalem. In the Greek, it's called oikos, which means your immediate surrounding. We can ask ourselves, how much are we doing in as far as um, witnessing and reaching the lost with the word of God right here in Amidel? And remember, it said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then the end shall come. So, what are we doing to contribute to the coming of the end? So, the same mission that was given to Moses when the fire appeared as in a burning bush is the same mission that is given unto us when tongues of fire comes and rests on each one of us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> You'll get used to it. Verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a distinction I would like to make there. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Those are two different things. When you receive Jesus Christ, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. That is what becomes your birthright as a child of God. That is your identification. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1.13 When you receive Jesus Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is the indwelling Spirit and First Corinthians three sixteen says, "Know you know that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you." 
So the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. But still, God wants to breathe the Holy Spirit in us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. There is uh, a saying that says, All believers have the Holy Spirit. All believers have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit may not have all believers. I'll say that again. All believers have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit may not have all believers. And that is where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit having a believer means he controls the life of a believer and not the other way around. You don't control the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls your life. In other words, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It means you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the will of God. It says in Luke 2449, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That means you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in that chapter 4 that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The subject of other tongues sometimes is a bit controversial. I know this. But it does not change the fact that believers get filled with the Spirit and they speak with other tongues. Paul and Apollos were in Corinth. In uh, Acts, Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. From verse 1 it says that it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. That Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples he said to them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I may as well pose that question right here. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? We'll we'll get an answer. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, In what then were you baptized? That's another question. In what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, They were baptized in the name of Jesus. 
And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So, <laughs> the question is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Let that question keep speaking to your heart. But remember, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and they begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy, and everybody was at the celebration on that day of Pentecost was wondering and saying, these people are drunk. <laughs> and Peter saying, no. The sun is still out there. It's only in the afternoon. These people are not drunk. But this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Joel 2.28. That they will dream dreams. That they will prophesy. Hallelujah. And that is what God wants for us right here. I want to take you a little bit and as I conclude this message. I want to take you back a little bit to uh, a little bit to Acts chapter 1. While they were waiting, there were things that were going on. They were praying and fasting. It says in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 that they all joined together constantly in prayer along with, with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were praying constantly. I believe that in this church we pray constantly. If I'm not praying, somebody else is praying. If somebody else is not praying, the other one is praying. So in this church, we pray constantly. And I want to draw a parallel between the making of the church at that time and this church. Another thing happened. They prayerfully chose a new leader. That was Matthias to replace Judas. Acts chapter 1 verse 23 to 28. The church was in the making. Now remember this. We also are a church in transition. We have a new set of leaders and more are still coming. We are praying. They were praying constantly. They chose a leader. We are choosing leaders. Same thing going, going on. But after that, they prayed. They chose a leader. And they waited in the upper room. All 120 received the Holy Ghost. And from that time on, giving was not a problem for them. They were giving. Others were selling their stuff. Because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
I'm telling you when you are inspired by the Holy Spirit, you will not struggle to give. You will not struggle to go out there and witness. You will not struggle to come here early to be a part of whatever ministry in this place. But without the Holy Spirit, it becomes a duty. You wake up and like, ah, now I have to go. They receive the Holy Spirit. Now the question I want to ask is this. Have we received the Holy Spirit? We are praying, yes. We are getting new leadership, yes. But is that sufficient? No. Otherwise, if we stop at that, and I'm not trying to say that not everybody here has not received the Holy Spirit. We have people here who are spirit-filled. But I also want to say this. It is a continuous process. It is not a one-time event that you receive the Holy Spirit last year, and that is it. If you read the book of Acts, Peter, in the process of ministry and persecution, in Acts chapter 4, he prayed again and the Holy Spirit again fell on them and they were empowered. Hallelujah. When the Holy Spirit is at work in you, worship will be amazing. Nobody will tell you what to do. Have we received the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk on wine. Sometimes once in a while we drink wine. It says, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to cross the line. Hallelujah. On this Pentecost Sunday, we want to make this our upper room. We want to turn this into our upper room as we wait for the rushing wind, as we wait for him to breathe on us. We need him to breathe on us so that, so that we may, thank you, man. <laughs> Amen. And it all comes out of a desire, Luke 11, 9 to 13. I will not read the whole of that because of time. But uh, it says that if you being evil, no, first of all it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened up to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And if you go further down to verse 22, it says, if he asks for an egg, Will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 23, verse 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. It is about a desire in your heart. Ask and you will receive. Praise the Lord. So I just want us to come to that place. Where we know that we are on a journey. But this journey cannot be completed without the Holy Spirit. We want this to be a vibrant church. We want this to be a thriving church. And that is only possible if we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. If we allow ourselves to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, if we allow ourselves for the Holy Spirit to have us, we have the Holy Spirit, but we need the Holy Spirit to have us. We are going to pray shortly. And I want to break this prayer into three areas. Number one, Jesus came to bring restoration. As we had during the time of communion from Hebrews 9, he came to cleanse us. He came to cleanse us so that the Holy Spirit may have a place in us. Without that, there is no Holy Spirit. So, while all eyes are closed, and I'll invite the worship team to come up here. Perhaps you are saying in your heart that I need the Holy Spirit. But like I said, the Holy Spirit will only indwell you if you have allowed Jesus to be your Lord. If you have allowed Jesus to cleanse you. If you have allowed Jesus to have a place in your heart. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to give you this opportunity. Wherever you are, probably you have been coming to church. And perhaps you knew that all is well. But I want to give you this opportunity. While all eyes are closed, you want to say that you want Jesus to come into your heart and to cleanse you. Just lift your hand wherever you are and we're going to pray together. You want Jesus to cleanse you today so that the Holy Spirit may have a place in your heart. So that you may have the ability to do things that no man can do, but only God can do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I see one hand. Thank you, my sister. We're going to pray together, even as our sister invites Jesus into our heart. Let's just repeat this prayer and let's join her in repeating this prayer. 
Just say, Lord Jesus. I want to say thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Though you are God, you became man and identified with my sins. This day I acknowledge that I am a sinner. And I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. And take my life to be your own. I thank you for this day. I am a new creation. And I am born again. Cleanse me now and purify me. And make me whole. Let your Holy Spirit now dwell in me. For today I am your child. Amen. Secondly, let's stand up together. If you want to go to another level and be a part of what God is doing in your kingdom, Let's just lift up our hands and begin to ask him. Ask him to baptize you. Ask him to breathe in you. The breath of life. Let that rushing, violent wind come. The Holy Ghost come and fill you. Probably you already filled before, but fresh filling this day. Father in heaven, now declare this atmosphere suitable for the Holy Ghost to come and fill your people, O oh God. Fresh fire, fresh anointing, O oh God. That your people may be instruments of your word. To take your word, O oh God, in Armadale, in Sydney, in Melbourne in path northern territory going over to asia going to africa going to america going to the caribbean and beyond oh god this church scc on this pentecost sunday oh god do something new do something totally new oh my god Lift your people up, O oh God. Lift us up, O oh God, by the power of the Holy Ghost. That we may be instruments of transformation in the nations, O oh God. We thank you, Lord. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost, I pray. Receive the Holy Ghost. Bring transformation. Hallelujah.